morning. Great job, praise team. Thank you so much. Uh, Jared, great job. I didn't know you could beatbox. That's surprising. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you for coming today and worshiping with us. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I want to um, uh, start the, the service before I talk, really. Um, speaking about the 20th anniversary of 9-11, you know, uh, I'm sure that you all remember where you were at 20 years ago. Um, I was in college. Stupid kid, right? In college, just absorbed with myself in my own life. And um, for some reason, I decided to get up and go to class one morning. You know, I don't know why I did that. But, uh, you know, it's an early class, an 8 o'clock class. You know, remember those 8 o'clock classes? Like, that's early for college kids. So I was up and, um, you know, uh, doing all that stuff and just, you know, came back and, and didn't really watch TV except for football, ESPN, stuff like that, MTV, back when they had music videos, um, and, and saw this thing on everywhere, you know, this, this plane that hit the building, and I was just sort of zoned into that, and, you know, as they were reporting, I, you know, I saw the second plane, like, in real time, you know, um, just, a, just a major... I guess, event for all of us, and, uh, you know, I knew that there was bad in the world, but it, it, you know, just opened my eyes a whole lot more. Um, I felt like my innocence was lost, so to speak, and and my eyes were were opened, and I've never really been the same, and I'm sure you've not either, but it's really uh, easy for us to move on with life and to to not, um, I know we want to remember what happened, but what good does remembering do if it doesn't change you, right? Um, You know, I think it's important that we um, remember, but I think it's important that we reflect, and reflection is a little bit more. You process things, and you don't just remember an event, but you allow it to sort of shape not only your worldview, but how you live day in, day out. So, you know, hey, there's bad in the world, and it's bad, right? Hey, there is, uh, there's brevity of life. The Bible talks about here one minute and like a, like a vapor, like a mist, like, like outside this morning when you left the, the fog that was there, it's gone now. You, you realize that? goodness of people, heroism, courage, standing for what's right, putting your life aside for someone else, right? One of the biggest things that we can learn is that, man, the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. How is that affecting you? You know, that should change all of us. Think about those things. Live those things out. Let's open up in prayer.
God, uh, we just thank you for today. And God, as we remember what happened to our country and so many lives 20 years ago this weekend, uh, Father, we pray for those that are still grieving, uh, the family members of those who died. Uh, God, we just lift them up to you and ask that you comfort them. Father, I pray for those on the front lines that to this day, each and every day, face challenges and difficulties and face evil. God, I pray for leaders, government leaders, our nation's leaders, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them bravery, boldness, that, that you would give them humility to look to you. Father, I pray for us, God, that we would take the things that we can learn from this and use them for your glory, your kingdom. You are the only remedy to the brokenness of this world. God, help us to put our focus on that and on you. Be with us this morning, God, as we look at your word. Change us, Father. Make us more like Jesus. That's what the world needs. That's what we need. In his name we pray, amen. So we've been in a series called uh, Nehemiah, Rise and Build. And we're, we're near the end of it, so, uh, you know, just give me a couple more weeks. But... Uh, Siri, sorry, Siri was talking to me. Did anybody hear me say Siri? I don't even have my phone with me. It must be my watch. <clears throat> Strange. Yes, God. <laughs> so rise and build. You know, uh, God, God, I love how God is in the construction business. You read in Genesis about all this stuff, and he's he's hanging the stars, and he's speaking the cosmos into existence, and he's having a great time, and it's all good, and and man, he is a builder. He's a builder. And ironically, Jesus is a carpenter. I mean, God is a is a is a builder, right? He rebuilds, he restores, he renews, and uh, man, you know. 20 years ago, well, I guess we could say, you know, less than 20 years ago, the, the rebuilding right from the rubble um, of the World Trade Center there, the Freedom Tower and stuff like that, that's inspiring, isn't it? I mean, hope and change and new life. God is in that business of rebuilding from the rubble. We've talked about how God has a plan. You know, we don't have to go through life wondering <laughs> what to do, what's going on, who's in control. Hey, it's him. He has a plan. And then when you build, the most important part of the home or the structure is the foundation, right? The, everything else rests upon the foundation. And we talked about how the foundation for us, if we're building the kingdom of God, is made up of a passion for the Lord, remember? And, man, it's so easy to lose passion isn't it? For, for the Lord, just you and him and his kingdom and nothing else, right? It's easy for us to lose that passion. And then prayer and praise. 
you know, if we are, we, these guys literally took things and they, they prayed until they just couldn't pray anymore. That really convicted me. And then praise. I mean, look, look, it started with praise before the foundation was even touched. They started offering sacrifices on the altar. The altar was primary. The worship and praise of God was primary. And, you know, if you start with that foundation, you're off to a good start. You're off to a good start. Your life's going to be solid. Last time I preached, we talked about how um, kingdom people are kingdom builders. You know, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're in the Lord's kingdom. And, and every job in the Lord's kingdom is essential. Every person in his kingdom is essential. And so God has this big plan, and, and it's interesting that so he can speak in Genesis and the stars are born, made from nothing, but yet he wants to involve you to build his kingdom. Like over this long thousands and thousands of year process, he wants to involve you and me. Interesting. But that's what he wants to do. We are taking part in his work. And, and the idea is everyone works, right? Everyone does something. Everyone contributes to the kingdom building. But, but, but everyone works together. You can only be so effective if everybody's doing different things and doing them differently and, and working against each other. No, it takes, takes kingdom builders working together. Okay, moving on. Today I want to talk to you about obstacles. Obstacles. Now, if you've ever built a home or, or anything like that, did it go perfect? Does it ever go perfect? Anytime you want to do anything, really. No. There's always obstacles. Every building process will have obstacles. So we've got this playground out here that I'm just ready to get built, right, ready to get done. And it's sort of been on my mind for a long time. Um, and we, so many people have helped and contributed and have, have been working on it and stuff like that. And so I got a, got a message from them a few weeks back saying, hey, this, this stuff's going to ship earlier than expected. And I was like, yes, God. You're blessing us, you know, and man, the, the favor of the Lord is upon us, right, type of thing. That's what that's the way I was feeling, like we're rolling. Um, so three messages later, it, it, so it's been delayed three times since then. I told you, it's pretty funny, right? Um, and so, you know, I don't know what this used to be over here, but like it, it's solid, it's rock. Like we're a, the church took it literally when Jesus said, build your house on a rock. We're just on a big rock up here. And so <laughs> we're over there trying to drill holes in the ground for this playground structure. And <laughs> wish you could have seen, I'm not going to mention names, but wish you could have seen some of the guys yesterday, including myself, being uh, turned around by auger like a merry-go-round. It's funny. What obstacles are you facing today? Like when you look in your life, you think about how your life's going, what are those things that you're just like, 
wish that wasn't there. You see, we all face obstacles. But here's the important thing. Obstacles can keep you from building the kingdom of God. They can. So what are some obstacles to building? And specifically, we're going to look at, you know, as it pertains to building the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at a few of these that we find in this story in Ezra and Nehemiah. And we'll talk about them, and then I'll share at the end of how to deal with those, okay? I'll go through these pretty fast. First and foremost, one of the biggest obstacles that you will face in building the kingdom of God is sin. Your sin. You. Personal sin. My sin. Your sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Everyone, everyone has sin that they have to deal with. Um, Chad last week talked about repentance. And if you read through Ezra and Nehemiah, you cannot help but notice that that is the main theme of both books. You know, it, God doesn't allow you, if you, do a, if you do that justice and read through it, really, God does not allow you to, to say, oh, building this, this city and these walls is the main thing. No. The main thing is your relationship with him, his people, and their relationship with him is what he is focused on. And that's what Ezra and Nehemiah both were focused on. And so the idea is, is look, if you want to build, if you want God to use you in his kingdom, the rebuilding starts with you, and that starts with revival. That starts with repentance in your own heart and in your own life. Hebrews 12.1, it's not on the screen. Says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw it off. Throw it off. So you don't you don't see it. It's not really you, you'll see the effects of sin, but it's not really something that's completely tangible. But what it does is it weighs you down and it ties your hands. And you're not a very effective kingdom builder when you're living like that. Y'all talked about the dung gate a couple weeks ago. How it was the closest gate to, to the presence of God. But man, there was a practical purpose for the dung gate. It got all the nasty stuff out. It was an outlet. Look, if cities did not have that, the sickness would overtake them. They would be very weak. They wouldn't be strong at all. The population would start to diminish. The people would be unhealthy. The livestock, the resources would just deplete and die off. There needs to be a dung gate for stuff to go out. Spiritually speaking, we need to use the dung gate more often. To get it out. Get the sin out. See, the thing is, look, this is amazing, okay? 
while you are building the kingdom of God, he is building you. He's building you. Philippians 1.6, and I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you. Look, if you go back and you read Nehemiah 2.18, that exact language is using. Remember when Nehemiah came in and he came in and got the people together and they said, look, let us start the good work. God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Amen. You see, God wants to build you. He wants to build you. He wants to make you look more like his son, Jesus. So we have to deal with sin. He died for it. He doesn't want us to live in it at all. He understands we'll struggle, but he also wants us to not stay where we're at. Next obstacle we'll face is change. Change. Sorry about the little sound effect. I'm not sure what that is. <clears throat> change. It's a given that anytime you build something, right, you always deal with change. Always. Because you're changing something. It's a change for you. How do you deal with change? I'll tell you, how you deal with change is very critical. It, you know, because what are you faced with when change comes? Well, is this going to be good or is it going to be bad, right? Is this going to be beneficial or is this going to hurt? Is this going to be better than what it was or is this going to be worse, right? You, that starts going through your mind and what goes through your mind eventually comes out of your life. In the story of Ezra, the people had finished the foundation, right? They had started the rebuild process. They had finished the foundation, right? And so they're building everything else up on, up on top of that. And so Ezra 3.11 says this, With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Wow, people were celebrating. People were excited. They were joyful. Hey, all this hard work that we've been doing, it's paid off. We can see progress going. The foundation is built. We're hopeful about what's to come. We're looking forward. All glory to God, right? They're shouting. They're praising. But notice verse 12. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. See, is that good? Is it my beard? Oh man! Okay, knew I was forgetting something. Been trimming weeds for weeks trim my beard <clears throat> okay so you see what's happening here it's not the fact that these people were old I know old people get a bad rep sometimes right you're just old man and you're just 
always in a bad mood, right? And look, if you're here and you're older, we love you. You're great. It's not talking about you at all. Um, it's not that they were old, it's that they were focused on something old, right? had nothing to do with them or their age. It, they were recollecting, there were people there who actually remember the Temple of Solomon, who, who saw it. And it was glorious, it, I mean, you can read about it. And they're looking at this, this temple. Everybody else is praising, shouting, celebrating, glory to God, yes, yes, yes. And they're like, ugh. What is that? It looks nothing like what it did before. Man. Do you see how these people missed out on celebrating what God was doing? They missed out. They couldn't handle the change. They couldn't. Now, for you, for me, we go through a lot of change in your life. Could be a job. It could be a relationship. Could be loss. Loss. Suffered loss. Could be a change that you welcome, right? How do you handle that change? They're in churches. Man, does church look the same as it did even 20 years ago? 30 years ago? And I'm telling you, for the longest time, like, you sort of felt bad if you didn't wear a tie in church. Right? And you were kind of frowned upon. You remember those days? Like if, like, if the preacher doesn't wear a tie, are you kidding me? He's not even preaching the Word of God if he don't. Man, I remember those days. It, we we kind of put ourselves in the same camp as these people, and it's a weird place to be. Because it's, you, you think you're focused on God and His glory, but you're not. You're focused on a, on a, time that you're comfortable with without the change and you miss actually actually what, you, what you're doing is missing where God's at and his glory I know sometimes we with even worship and and programs and different things that the church does how do you handle change it can be an obstacle don't let it don't let it. Just see change as a chance to build differently. Right? Hey, man, I'm glad that I can use a power drill now and don't have to use a screwdriver all the time. Right? I can, I can be more effective that way. You know, some things I might still have to go back and, you know, use a screwdriver. Pause a second, I'm going to move this. Okay. The main thing is God. He doesn't change. The main thing is Jesus. 
The gospel doesn't change. The main thing is the word of God. It never changes. Everything else is subject to change. And Jesus said, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. If you go and you fish with the same lure, the same bait, every time you go, hey, you're not going to catch very many fish. How you handle change, man, it makes all the difference in the in, not only in your life, but also in the building process for God. Third thing, I'm going to move along faster here because I think I'm kind of going slow, <clears throat> is opposition. Anybody ever faced opposition? Right? Someone make, just someone making your life harder, but not by accident, right? Somebody intentionally opposes you, wants to mess you up, wants to uh, be a stumbling block to you, wants to see you fail, yeah, it's hard to work when people work against you. And there's people out there like that. Maybe you're dealing with people like that today. The people of Israel face tremendous opposition, Ezra 4.4. Then the peoples around them set out, all right, so this is like intent, I'm going to mess these people up. That's my goal. They set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building they bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. <laughs> and there were two kings after Darius. At least two that's reported in Scripture. And this kept happening and happening. The people did not want the people of God to rebuild they try to discourage and frustrate the people. If you go back and read um, these these local governors, these local town people, mayors is what you could probably refer to them as, they tried to tell lies to the king of Persia. They tried to get him to change his mind. They actually sent out a request to say, hey, will you go back in the royal archives and just make sure that this is right? Because we don't think it is, right? So many years of opposition. Look, um, here's the thing, and this is what we really learned. Uh, one of the things we learned on 9-11 is that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the world. The world is opposed to the kingdom of God. The world did not receive Jesus. So look, people, young people, there's going to be times when your, your faith is opposed. There's going to be times when people will judge you for what you believe, for what you stand for. How do you handle that? What do you do? Are you the type of person that when you encounter opposition, your first inclination is to stop? Or maybe your first inclination is to fight back, right? Like to, I won't, I won't say, a, I won't say slap somebody, but we don't do that, do we? We just get on Facebook and just rant. 
That's what we do. Take that. It's interesting. The people of God did not stop building. This, this went on for years and years and years and years, and the people of God did not stop building. At times, it, they were paused, right? They were paused, or, to, or at times the building process was interrupted officially. These people were like officials, town officials, like building code, code people. But they never stopped. And this isn't on the screen. I love what Ezra 5.5 5 says. It says, the people didn't stop. It says, the eye of their God watched over them. Do you get that? What can man do to you is what Scripture tells us. What, what can man do to you? You have Almighty God watching over you. That's the way you, that you need to think. That's the way that you need to live. You let him deal with your opposition, and you won't go, go on building the kingdom of, of God. He will handle the rest. He took care of the opposition. Number four, distraction. One of the biggest obstacles to building is distraction. It's taking the focus off of the main goal. So here's what happened. <clears throat> when the opposition couldn't stop them from building, they went to plan B. And the plan B was to distract. To distract. So these guys wanted to have some peace talks with Nehemiah, right? Hey, it sounds, sounds good, right? Oh, we can have peace now. Here's the thing. Uh, it was going to be a long process. Many, many weeks, if not many months, of peace talks, of concessions, right? Different things like that. What did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah 6, verse 3. This is him. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down some translations say hey man i can't come down i can't co i picture nehemiah <laughs> when i read that i picture nehemiah on top of a ladder building a wall and saying hey i can't come down i am busy i've i'm doing something here why should the work stop while i leave it and go down to you and I love this. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Isn't that good? And he didn't want to be distracted. He was focused on his purpose and the importance of his job. Man, peace talks, oh, man, that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like it's the right thing to do for his people. Hey, maybe we can just get through this process. It's going to be long. Uh, but in the end, it'll be worth it, right? We'll be able to build. No, it was a distraction. He kept the main thing, the main thing. Look, so many of us get distracted too easy. Whether it's from other people, <laughs> other people can be a distraction. Whether it's from things of this world, whether it's from your own life. The lesson in this principle is, is that, hey, even good things can distract you from the great things. You can't let that, let that happen. I told you this before. The enemy cannot destroy you. He can't. He doesn't have that power. 
but he can distract you. Can't distract you. Can't keep can't keep you from building. So keep God the main thing. Hebrews twelve says to fix our eyes upon Jesus. I mean, literally, stare, like stay fixated, focus. He is the main thing. He's the goal. And if you have to do that every day, so be it. So be it. That is that is your job, and that is my job as kingdom builders, is Jesus. Number five, and this is it, discouragement. Discouragement. Look, we all face and encounter discouragement. I feel like, I really, I honestly feel like so many are discouraged today. I would say the, the majority of us in this room are discouraged. That is, that is an awful feeling to have, isn't it? And you really don't realize it until, until I mention it. I mention it, talk about it. And then you're like, oh, yeah. You know, you don't have to be clinically depressed to be discouraged. Discouragement happens every day. Every day to everyday people. Like you and me. You know, things aren't going the way you expected. You may be going through some difficult times. You may be dealing with people working against against you. You may be dealing with people that are constantly negative. It's so easy to become discouraged in this world. And look, discouragement, it can keep you from having the joy in life that God wants you to have, but it can also keep you from building his kingdom. Nehemiah 4, I'm going to read through this pretty fast, verse 1. When Sanballat, now he is a governor, okay? When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates, and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down the wall of stones. Man. They were talking about you. How would you feel? Constant ridicule, ongoing opposition. The people of God got very discouraged. Verse 4, they said this, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Kind of a harsh prayer, right, you know, there, but they're in a bad place. You know, discouragement can get you to where you just feel bad for yourself and you just hate everybody else. You ever been there? What did, what did they do? I mean, so you see they're at a, they're at a turning point here, or they're, they're at an intersection where they can go this way or that way. What do they do? 
I love verse 6, the very next verse. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. What? They went from they went from being despised, they went from being discouraged, and the remedy to that was like, hey, let's keep working. Let's keep working. They kept building, and what they did was rather than put their focus on the the cause of discouragement, they put their focus and their hearts upon the Lord, and they worked to build with all their heart. Folks, look, this might sound weird, but the answer to discouragement is dedication. You feel discouraged this morning? Work for the Lord. Do something for Him. Put your heart upon Him. Don't give up. Don't give up. You see, I'm going to share two things with you before I close. Obstacles are opportunities to overcome. Nobody likes obstacles at all. But they are opportunities if you see them the right way. Opportunities to overcome. They may slow you down. They may divert you, sidetrack you, definitely frustrate you, but they should never, ever, ever, ever stop you. Ever. Nehemiah 6, 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will, look at here, not be completed. You see there? You see how important this is? Not being completed is not an option. It's not an option. Notice what Nehemiah did. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Are you there? Are you there where you're just about ready to give up? Not an option. Don't. Don't stop building. God wants you to complete your work. Sometimes you just need to say, God, help me. God, help me. Strengthen my hands. Strengthen my body. Strengthen my heart. Strengthen my mind. Strengthen my soul. God, help me. Strengthen me. I need you. I know me, just a couple years ago, I was ready to quit. Very discouraged. Down. Just ready to give up. On my marriage and everything, folks. face those things there comes a time when you got to make a decision on what to do I literally had to hold on hold on and push through one day at a time one day at a time And honestly, I thought the very next day was going to be the day that I was going to quit. But I kept going one day at a time. Amen. You know, I really did. I really did like Nehemiah. God, God help me. 
strengthen me. I came to that moment where it was him, it was him, or, or it was all gone, lost, over. And I made it through that season. And look, my life is so far from perfect now, but man, God has blessed me because I overcame that. Do you understand that? What obstacles are you facing? Don't give up. You see, last thing, I'm going to close. Blessings are promised to those who overcome. Blessings are promised to those who overcome. Look, from the King of Kings and from the Lord of Lords, from the risen Savior, right? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, come these words to the churches, to all Christians in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Let's look at Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, listen up. Listen up. Don't drop this. Don't lose this. Something very important. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. Man, is that talk, what is that talking about? Is that some kind of weird judgment day type of thing? Look, no. No. It's, li- it's life. It's life in general. This, this is a letter to, to seven churches, and, and seven is... Right, biblically, the number of perfection. And and so what the King of Kings is saying is like, hey, to my church, to my people, this is how you need to live. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Look, seven churches, seven promises. Look, right? All seven churches have these promises. Even Philadelphia, like the good church that nobody can ever get to. It's like, hey, you're doing good, but keep it up. You, if you overcome these, you'll get that. Look, new life, and I'm just paraphrasing what, it, what the promises are. New life, hidden manna. Does anybody need some hidden manna? Right, something from, from heaven. Does anybody need a touch from heaven today? A fulfillment from heaven? You be an overcomer. You want new life? You need hidden manna? A white stone with your name on it? I have no idea what that is. But it sounds neat. And it's from Jesus. Hey, if you overcome, I will give you a white stone with your name on it. My daughter loves jewelry, but you know what she loves more? It could be a dollar store necklace, but if it has her name on it, she loves it the most. Jesus says a white stone with your name on it if you're an overcomer. I will give that person authority over the nations. What does that look like? Are you going to be president? I don't know. It's a promise. To that person, I will give an iron scepter. I will give that person the morning star. What does that mean? I don't know. The king of heaven, the maker of the stars is saying, look, I made this. I'm going to give you one if you're an overcomer. I will 
to that it goes on to that person i will acknowledge your name before the father and his angels imagine that man we we go to these uh, celebrations these parties these trophy ceremonies recognition imagine being your name being called out before the god of heaven and it's jesus calling your name this person overcame and the angels are just like whoa this person whoa imagine that at the promise from jesus he also says this to the person who overcomes i will make them a pillar in the house of god to the person who overcomes i will write my new name on them i don't know what new name he's talking about but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be such a privilege. It's going to be such a blessing. And then he says, to the person who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Man, look, I'm not just giving you a pep talk just to give you a pep talk. Right? You can go talk to people other than preachers for that stuff. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And it does not change. And Jesus does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, you overcome, you will be blessed. That's, that's my job to tell you. When you overcome obstacles to build the kingdom of God, the king, the king ends up blessing you. are you facing today? I'll pray for you. Let's pray. God, I pray that any obstacles that we are facing, God, that we would take a stand today, whether it be sin, whether it be opposition, whether it be a change that we're just not sure about, whether it be a distraction that we just become evident to our life, or whether we're discouraged today, God. We just call that out to you. Like Nehemiah, God, just strengthen my hands. Strengthen our hands. God, help us to keep our focus on Jesus. Fix our eyes upon him. Author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy before him endured the cross, even through shame. But now he is seated at your right hand. God, we see how Jesus encountered so many obstacles and how he overcame. And the glory that he is in now, the glory that he is experiencing now, the glory that he is worthy of now. God, the same, same blessings is promised to us. I pray for the person that just needs to hold on another day. God, that they would do that, not give up. That that we, as your people, as brothers and sisters, would see needs around us and 
and have the heart to help out or have the heart to encourage those that we feel are discouraged. To spur one another on to good deeds. For the day draws near. Thank you, God. Help us. In Christ's name, amen.